Um, I'm very grateful for Gary's welcome to me, to Ellen and me on Sunday. And since we're just a few days removed from that, let me say again how uh, excited and delighted we are to be planning to live among you. I'd committed to Gary to start in February, so we have, but we are not moved here yet. Um, we have a house to close on here, and we have a house to get under contract and sold in, on Edisto Island. So we're uh, betwixt and between. Uh, we're doing, uh, I, I told uh, Rob just a minute ago, we're doing the, the Star Trek deal where uh, we, get, uh, we get beamed up and over to Edisto and then uh, beamed up and over to George, uh, Prince George, and we miss Charleston traffic that way. So that part's worked well. Um, also, uh, it has been uh, already advertised, promoted that we will have a special offering during the season of Lent, during our, our midweek service, and that is a focus upon the prophet Joel. So to uh, sort of set the stage for that, let's begin with Joel this morning as well and give attention to uh, his prophetic word in, um, in, in a brief way, and uh, then enjoy the momentum of this uh, through the season of Lent and um, engaging this um, uh, prophet of the Old Testament. You know, Lent is not really rocket science. Um, uh, it's it's a really a very simple, practical, functional idea. Uh, the secular world uses the same idea in all kinds of ways, to, uh, but, but uh, we add a special component of it, and it really is a, a spiritual task, a spiritual exercise, not just improving our lives, but really improving our relationship with the Lord God, our Father, with the Lord Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, and uh, resetting the direction of our lives. It, it always seems to need each year kind of a mid-course uh, correction through the year. And uh, this is, it's, it's always, uh, uh, for those of us who invest in this, end up coming out better on the other side of this. Uh, I remember from philosophy days of college uh, reading Plato, the unexamined life is not worth living, one of those great truisms from uh, the Greek philosopher Plato. The unexamined life is not worth living. Think about that. People who just blow through life and never really consider what they are about or why they're here or what their purpose is. The worth living. I, I would add, and I learned this to be another truism, the undisciplined life is not worth living. Discipline usually means sacrifice. Uh, from an old athlete, you know, we used to hear it, unfortunately, from coaches, no pain, no gain. My wife hates that phrase, and uh, I never use it in our home. But uh, there is some deeper truth in that, um, that uh, this uh, counterintuitive sense that um, our willingness to be disciplined about something, uh, which leads, it means we're giving up something, um, leaves us better off than when we began. It is a bit counterintuitive. Living life in an upside-down world so that we can be right-side-up with God. How lovely. Um, I remember, again, uh, from college days, T.S. Eliot's poem, The Four Quartets, and there's some Greek in the front of that poem, uh, a quotation from Heraclitus, another Greek philosopher, In going down, we rise. How does that make sense? In going down, we rise, but discipline and sacrifice is the going down in order that we might rise to a, to a higher place uh, on the other side of this. Jesus himself then uh, uh, leads us on this same road. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Giving up for the Lord, sacrifice for the Lord, 
discipline in his name and for his honor in our ministry and in our respective callings, um, uh, we will find life in losing it. Life, Lent, is certainly counterintuitive. Give up something this Lent, and we are better off. We might even have a whole new habit that carries forward into the season beyond Lent. Give up something, we also are made aware that we have an unhealthy dependence upon that something, don't we? Uh, if it's some sort of food or um, fasting from uh, whatever, whatever beverage, uh, whatever is our habitual uh, go-to, and learning that we have an unhealthy dependence upon that. Take on something to benefit our spiritual lives, and we are better off for that too, aren't we? See, uh, this is not rocket science. This is just good, healthy living. The more we put into this, the more we get out of this. I've learned that in my own life through the years of Ash Wednesdays. The more I put into that Lenten journey, uh, the more I receive at the end. In going down, we rise indeed. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it indeed. Therefore, we have the prophet Joel calling us to fasting, weeping, and mourning. Um, it's a little bit out of context for his own story there, but it's still helpful for us, calling us to fasting, weeping, and mourning. I think we could say that fasting means we are giving up some perceived good, um, some food, some beverage, or something uh, is giving up some perceived good. And weeping is acknowledgement that we have regret, regrets for some of the things we have done in our lives in this past year for our, to ourselves, in our relationships, or in our relationship with the Lord himself. And mourning, if our sorrow is deep enough that causes us to weep, mourning means there's really a desire in us to change. Lord, I don't want to continue this way. So there's almost a progression in that call that Joel gives to us, weeping, um, acknowledgement that uh, this is wrong, um, uh, I'm sorry, fasting, uh, giving up a desired good, weeping, acknowledging that something needs to change, mourning um, for that sorrow to go deep enough that we really want the change to take place. Now, there's something else exciting about Lent for us church folks. We are more and more, it seems like, a minority voice in our secular culture. But uh, let me simply say the only thing more powerful than personal sacrifice is team sacrifice. There is a multiplier effect when a community comes together in a disciplined, sacrificial way and walks on this journey of discipline and sacrifice together. It doesn't mean we're all doing the same thing, but we've got the same task in mind and the same destination in mind. A dear friend that uh, I have not seen in decades, literally, a priest, uh, we served together once on a cursillo, and I never forgot part of his teaching in that cursillo weekend. He, was a, um, a, um, he had uh, served in the Marine Corps, and he served in the uh, Marine Corps band. So he was speaking from personal experience. He blew a horn, and he loved horns. And he said uh, in uh, his teaching that day, he said, you know, solos can be beautiful. And they really can. And then he added, but symphonies will knock your socks off. Imagine this as a symphony of discipline and sacrifice. We're in this together. 
we are a team and that there is going to be some sort of multiplier effect for the benefit, not only of us as individuals, but for this community, Prince George Winya, in her 300th year. What gains might there be? What gains might there be not only for the individual, but for the community? So the prophet cries out in this reading this morning. He says, gather the people, gather the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. It's a family affair. Get the bride and bridegroom. This is important and urgent. And make sure the priests are involved. They need it worse than anybody, perhaps he's thinking. And he says, come together as a team. Make this 40-day journey and see what God has for us on the other side. Prosper on your own Lenten journey. Let us prosper as a team on this communal journey. And let us see where we are on the other side of Lent. I expect uh, better cleaner, happier, spiritually more wealthy, and excited about what the Lord has in store for us beyond that. Praise the Lord. Amen.